0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode number 80 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And we're gonna welcome in not an active player, but he is at the front of your brain, at least he should be, over the next several weeks because for the first time ever, he is on the Hall of Fame ballot. He is former National League MVP and the Phillies' all-time hits leader, J-Roll. Jimmy Rollins, it's good to see you. How are you, pal? I'm good, brother. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, man. It's all quiet. What'd you do with the kids, man? Oh, well, it's 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 Tuesday, I believe. Yes, which means they're in school. Yeah, I forgot that about thing. that. Yeah, yeah that, my, that, that, my that kids thing. are so yeah. old. I yeah, I've kind of moved on from that stage in my life. That's yeah, right. I, I'm sorry about that. No, yeah. so Enjoy. we know that you're you're still broadcasting for TBS. You're still doing a lot of stuff, you know, during the baseball season. So in the off season, what are you, dad? What keeps you busy?
1: Yes, right. I am a dad. I am a uh, part time golfer. Like all retired athletes, I've joined the uh, golf retirement community. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much about it, honestly. Between those two, I'm pretty busy. I go to the golf course, drop the girls off in the morning, uh, go to the golf course, um, and then I run right back to pick them up. And then it's homework and dance and soccer and ballet and gymnastics. Then we start it all over again the next day.
0: I love it. Okay, let's start with the golf game. How good are we these days? Um, my handicap is down to
1: a Mm twelve. It's been going up recently, which I'm not mad about because I get more strokes in a gambling game. Mm -hmm. You you already know. So, you know, everybody wants to get good. I'm like, no, you want to be good enough. Good enough to get the strokes and then go out and have a great round when you're getting
0: them. All right. So do you play with like former teammates, players, or are you hobnobbing in the business world now? Uh
1: (laughs) well, you know what? Um, there are a couple – I'm a member at Lakeside, so we have a number of athletes that are joining there. Um, some, Someone I'm very excited is, is coming through right now. I can't say the name. You know how the golf rules are. I can't give names.
0: What, wait, but what did you You cannot say, do that. You cannot drop that. You can be like, it's let, an athlete. I'm let's super say, excited.
1: Let, let's just say there may be video emerging one day of us playing together. How about that? Um, wow. But other than that, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of um, entertainers over there. Um I've got to play around with Joe Pesci, which is awesome. Got to hear about his life story. Oh my um, god. Andy Garcia. So you know, I, I have the Godfather whole cast hanging out. Um, I'm supposed to be linking up with MJ. So whenever Black comes through, uh, he's getting into a couple of things that's going to bring him up to LA. So I'm waiting on that phone call. Will it come? You know these things go rosy, but it it it'd be nice to get that phone call and actually play with MJ. I played in the tournaments and played in front of him, and there won't be a crowd, so it'd be nice just to get him one-on-one or or two-on-one and see if we could double-team him, but no one ever could really stop that man.
0: All right, J-Roll, you know the deal with him on the golf course. You better bring your bankroll and then I, some.
1: See, and 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 the guy that, that was telling me uh, he was going to give me a call, I told him the same thing. I'm like, you know he bets. I'm like, you have to put a stipulation in the contract before he even gets out here that we're not betting more than $100 on the entire round. And then if he still shows up, then you know it's a real
0: deal, dude. Do you, you think he's going to show up with that stipulation?
1: Uh, I mean, you got to try something. I'm, i I. I don't. I can't play golf with the way Michael bets. I mean. The, I mean. I, I'll be broke.
0: But isn't the opportunity to play around with MJ worth? Let's just say you drop ten grand. Ten grand's a lot of money. I know you did really well. I know, <laughs> but ten grand's still ten grand. Isn't it worth it just to say you played a round of golf with the greatest? I mean, sure. If you want to look at it that way. Good. Now,
1: this is where it's worth it. This is where it's worth it. You play a round of golf with MJ. Ten grand's on the line. And he has to invite you to play around with him at Grove 23. At that point, it's worth it. mm
0: -hmm.
1: If it's just a round of golf and there's no Grove 23 invite with him,
0: nah. By the way, we're all going based on that you're going to lose money. You might beat him. This this is true. This this is true. I I don't know if I'm
1: going to beat him. I wouldn't lose a full 10 grand. Um, My last few rounds, you know, maybe it's time for a year where my last few rounds have been kind of sketchy, playing new courses as opposed to going to my home course, which I know, you know, where I want to lay up, where I can be aggressive, how the ball is going to move on the green. So I, I do have the advantage there. So, you know what, that, yeah, I, there's a really good chance. There's a really good chance. You know, I'm going to talk trash from the beginning. I don't wait to get up or down. I'm right out the gate, you know. It's, it's all about that psychological warfare, although we know he's one of the masters of it. Uh, but I'm coming out the gate. I'm talking trash, that's for sure. So, I, I, I will have an advantage. I just hope the game follows. Like I said, that handicap, you got to hope it's high enough, and then you get the strokes off that day and have a great day.
0: Can you talk shit on a baseball diamond?
1: um i think if you're a first baseman a catcher yes um you have to have guys get to second base and has to be somebody either you really like or you really don't like mm-hmm. and i didn't like a lot of guys on the match at least initially they would get to second base and i would always try to get in their head i mean if they're hot hey what are you doing like You just taking pitches. You land off. I want to get them thinking that they're great. Then when they get up there the next bet, they're trying to impress me because they know I'm watching. And usually when that happens, people fold. So uh, those opportunities come rare because a lot of times guys are either running past second base Mm -hmm. or they hit second base and they're going to the dugout because they're forced out either way. But I think at first base, you have you know you get a number of pitches there. And catcher, you get to see everybody as they come up to the plate, and there were and there were some catchers that were uh, very good at that for certain.
0: Really, who who were, who were
1: guys that tried to get in your head? Uh, AJ AJ Przensek, you know we we know all the stories about him, and it's true. Even if he likes me, I mean sometimes you throw a compliment out there the first at bat, then the next at bat is something else, and it's like man, this dude is really trying to get me to not concentrate on uh on um on hitting. Brian McCann, he was like the sweetest guy. He sit there talk to you while the pitcher is in his windup and getting ready to come. And, you know, all, all those little tricks that, that they would do. Um, but I, I would say as far as just, just talking shit, like for real, AJ, I mean, he didn't care to fight. He was going to stand up, bump you, make sure he got his pitcher, uh, all the advantages and his team, all the advantages uh, they could get that day.
0: Did you ever want to turn around to and just say, AJ, shut the fuck up. Like I'm working here, dude.
1: Yeah, you do, but you know, I understood it. if I did that, he wins. You know the times would be that he would win. So it was like, okay, you keep talking at some point. It becomes like you have to figure it's like the crowd at some point you go black. You don't, it's, it's just ambiance. It's just him doing his job and it's up to me to make sure he doesn't get in my head. Some people hated it. They'll come back to the dugout and he's always talking this and that. And it's like, see, he won. Now you're going up there, focus on him and what he's going to say to you and maybe how you respond as opposed to how am I going to get this hit or get the runner in? Got it. How was your
0: round with Pesci, by the way?
1: Uh, fantastic. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. He told me stories from uh, when he was a teen uh, to some incidents he had in, um, in Paris, uh, <laughs> getting arrested. And it's funny how it started. He was like, you know, um, how old are you? And I just turned 43, so at the time I was 42, I was like, 42. He was like, in my 40s? what was I doing? He was like, ah, I was in France getting arrested. And so he told me the story, you know, he was trying to, he was going to meet um, 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 Al over at Al Pacino. They were going over there at a restaurant to eat lunch. And uh, he walked in, he only had U.S. dollars. He didn't have any euros. And whatever the lunch was, I guess he told Al, I'll pay for it. He told the waiter, hey, um, you know, here's a hundred dollars. I'm not sure what the exchange is over here, but whatever it is, just give me the change back. And he said the waiters kind of gave him a funny look. And he was like, hey, cocksucker, here's $100. Take it and give me the change in euros. And the a, and a waiter took the money and kind of dropped it, like almost like essentially spitting in his face. And like, what is this? We don't take dollars. And Pesci looked at him and was like, you're going to pick that up? I'm going to make you scrub your face with it. And the guy looked at him, just kind of blew him off. We don't take dollars. Cassie said he swung on him. Next thing you know, he grabbed him by his neck. You got second, I told you. And, and next thing you know, I you was know, trying to get him off. Police come running in. He's in jail. And I was like, so the roles that you play in the movies aren't really too far off from who you really are. He just kind of looked at me, started laughing. And he's like, you're looking at me too long. You owe me money or something? And I was like, I don't want no smoke, Joe. <laughs> I don't want no smoke. But it, it took about four or five holes to him to really... Um, you know come alive it was just you know just getting used to me trying to figure out who I was otherwise we see him all the time say hello to him um it took him about four or five poses, then he opened up and we we were just talking had a great conversation about life uh and, and just the different things that he's been through so it was a pleasure and every time I see him it's still the same thing he looks at me I look at him what's up Joe hey I know you you owe me money but why are you staring at me, little cocksucker?
0: <laughs> and that's Joe. He's a great guy. Absolutely fantastic. Dude, that is a great one. And uh and Andy Garcia is a huge sports fan. I know he's probably yes. he's more of a hoops fan than he is, I think, baseball fan. But yeah, but
1: he he's uh he he he, can, he he
0: has his tabs
1: on everything. Um he's a great guy. Um just enjoy having him around. Um there's a time, it's great stories there where Chris Spencer. Andy Garcia, we finished the round and we're all at a round table. So Chris, you know, being a comedian that he is, he starts popping off a joke. So what does Andy do? He comes with another one. Chris comes right back. Bam. Andy comes right back. And I I don't remember what they were because I'm not a comedian. I don't, you know, but these were jokes that they had stored up in new ones and let's try it on this crowd. And for about 30 minutes, they are literally going back and forth. And that's, and, and this was, Months ago, I've been a member since February of uh, this was still 21. So, uh, February this year. So, this is probably about halfway through uh, between now and then. And I was like, and this is exactly why I joined this club because this is the camaraderie that, you know, in a clubhouse when guys get going, and mm-hmm. this banter. And here they are. It was just like, okay, you got a joke? And, and it was almost, and it was, and if you walked into it, you think they were just sharing, you know, stories, but it was like, okay, I'm egging you on. I can up that. I can top that. And it was going back and forth. And this, I literally was there for about a half an hour. I'm like, I, I have to pull myself out the seat. Like, I have to go. Like, I'm going to get in trouble. You guys are great, but I got to run. And I didn't want to, but, man, it, it was probably one of my best moments. Uh, between. I mean, besides Joe Pesci and that whole round, just post-golf, just sitting there having drinks and, and chicken wings, listening to those guys go back and forth.
0: Who's the best shit talker you played with?
1: Ooh, that I played
0: with? Or against? Uh, I mean, do I include myself? You can. Um,
1: no, that'd be too self-fulfilling. Uh, I would have to say probably Shane
0: Victorino. Oh, like God. Shane, Shane, yeah. <laughs> By the way, it's his birthday today. Yes, the it is. Happy David.
1: birthday. Happy birthday, Vic. I need, I need to text him, actually. Actually, I'll call him. He's my little brother. And, uh, but yeah, he... He was that little,
0: you
1: know, just always in the back of your ear. You turn around, he's right there saying something. Um, but we we had a team full of them. And we we never liked for material. There was material every single day. And I would say plan against. Uh, you know, we, we will take AJ aside because he's a catcher, he just talks shit to everybody. Um no, you know what, no one really popped off that I can really think of, you know, to me, because they they knew I was coming back. So well, was there? Uh, let me I, ask I, it this I way: I have to say Shane. Was, was say there shame ever a
0: guy that? Because I've I've talked to a ton of baseball players who were like, "That guy over there is the biggest asshole ever," and then right. they end up being teammates, and you are like, "Dude, you are all right." Right, right. Um, you ever run into those guys?
1: Not, not. I mean, not really. Briefly, and and I it because you know maybe because they beat us in two thousand ten, but Madison Bumgarner, you know, just just the mean on the mound, like nothing. Ever really got to him. And it was just like, I'm the coolest dude. I'm a big dude. You don't want none of the smoke. You know, he just had that presence about him. And you respected it, but you despise it too. It's like, I just want to knock your teeth out, you know, but in, in a baseball sense, like, I want to give you the business and have you complaining to the umpire, cursing us out as you go into the dugout. Um, and that's as a pitcher, you want that. You want the other team to feel that way. Uh, but when I got to spend, um, you know, a year, Competing against him with the Dodgers, I got to understand um, even more so why you would want to feel that way because there's already a natural rivalry between the Dodgers and the Giants. And now this guy's up there. He's popping off, obviously, his, uh, his um, run-ins with Puig. So you're always expecting something to happen at that time. And then the ne- and two years later, I'm in the clubhouse with him in spring training, and we all you know, remember the incident that he had with uh, Big Joe. In San Diego, they have to stare down. Yeah, with Joe and West. So we yes. So we uh we're playing the Colorado Rockies the very next day. Who's at third base? Joe West. So before the game, I'm trying to get his attention because I want to stare down at him to get him to laugh because Joe and I, we've had our run ins, but who doesn't have a run in with Joe? Uh but just so happened I hit a leadoff triple. So I slide in third base and I'm staring at Joe. He's staring back at me. I call time, he gives me time, and I'm staring at him like time. He's like, you got it. I said, time, Joe.
0: Yeah.
1: And he puts his hand on his hip and he stares at me. And I stare back at him. And it's like, you're not gonna win. And I was like, I know. And start laughing. So we have a good time about it because he gets he knows what it's all about. I'm in the clubhouse, so going on to the spring training with the Giants. We might walk in the clubhouse. And uh it's maybe about, well, let me let me take that back. So Madison Bumgardner, so this still with the Dodgers. Madison, you know, reaches out to Kershaw and was like, hey, you know, ask Jimmy, you know, is there a problem or was that meant towards me or something like that, something some to that nature. And so Kirsten relayed the message and I just kind of started laughing because yes, you, you, you're you the one, you know, between you and Joe was the incident, but this is between me and Joe, I wasn't even, I wasn't worried about you that, you weren't on my mind when I was doing that. It was like, Joe, you always causing trouble. So now, oh. excuse me, here's my turn to make light up. So I'm going to do that. So that incident goes down. And I, and I tell Kersh, well, you know, we, we, we face him again. So, I mean, if, if, if something wants to be done, that's cool. Like, I'm not even worried about it. And I'm not sure if Kirsch ever responded, but it was, you know, it, I, I, just, I just found it comical. But it was more so, it was less personal and more that I'm with the Dodgers and he's with the Giants. So, I got the whole dynamics of it. Then I get to the clubhouse in 17 for spring training, two or three days into it, here comes Madison. He's coming over here. And same thing, hey, he asked me again. And so I was like, my, it, it was just like, you know, that, you know, hey, were you trying to make fun of me when you, you know, got the third and you were sliding in the jaw? And I just kind of started laughing because I was like, wow, are you still on that? Like, that's I'm not, that's not even on my mind. I'm just trying to make the team, which I didn't, uh, and just hang out and just, you know, and just enjoy you guys and get to see, you know, for who my teammates will possibly be. Anyhow, so I, told him, I was like, so is you, you really thought that was about you? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, it wasn't. I was like, now let me ask you this. Was it more so that I did it? Or was it more so that I was playing for the Dodgers? And he looked at me. He's like, it was a Dodgers. And we started laughing and it squashed it all. Then every day after that, he's come up. Hey, look at my Jays. He got the Jordan cleats. That was with team Jordan. And what you think about these? And we were talking about little design elements that he could do to them because he was thinking about joining uh, Jordan at the time. But that was that incident where it was just like, you know what? Once you're on his team and once you're on his side and you get to see who he is, other than just a competitor, he was a really good dude. So mm. if if there's a guy, I can't I can't say he was an asshole, but the perception was, yeah, they beat us in 2010. He was a man, he's Mr. You know, left arm in the postseason. And yeah, I wasn't supposed to like him. But then when I played for his team, I was like, I see, I, I see why his teammates, you know, back this guy up because he's a really good dude.
0: Nice. Hey, guys, it's the holiday season. You know what that means? People like to celebrate. In some cases, some people like to get busy, too. But what happens when things aren't working 100% south of the equator? You're going to say, all right, that's it. Out of the game. I'm done. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. That part's over. No, take care of it because you're not alone. Did you know that more than half of the men ages 40 to 70 deal with some form of erectile dysfunction? Well, guess what? There's a way that you can get some help, courtesy of Roman. Go to GetRoman.com slash John Boy. You'll speak to a U.S.-licensed healthcare professional about any form of erectile dysfunction. You're going to get 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. Now, here's the nice thing. Sometimes it's tough to talk about that topic. Well, here you do it from the comforts of your own home. You don't go to a doctor's office. If you get prescribed medication, you don't have to get to a pharmacy, and they'll say, hey, who's next in line? you would be like, no, no. That's not the way it's done. If that U.S. licensed healthcare professional says you need medication, it shows up to your door in a couple of days and it's taken care of. So once again, it is GetRoman.com slash John Boy to set up your appointment and you're going to get 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. Go do that, okay? Take care of yourself so you can take care of that someone special in your life. It is that simple. Get Roman ready. Your Philly teams had some amazing personalities. Was Burl Dis- as weird as I thought he was? <laughs> he said,
1: was Burl as weird as you thought he was? Um, he has many sides. Um, obviously, we know the machine, which came a little bit later. But wow. there were years leading up to that. And when you know Pat and you see that happen, you aren't surprised. You can't believe that he actually did it, but you aren't surprised and it was like, if anyone can do that and get away with it, it's him. You know, he, he started out as Pat the Bat. And then, you know, we had the photo shoot where Pat is half naked and, you know, it's all up on the billboards and all the women going crazy at the time. So he, I got to see the progression of it. I've known Pat since shoot, we were in high school playing with the uh, AAU uh, team together. Mm. So I've, I've, I've known him since, you know, when he was normal. Then he got to college. and started making the transition. Then he got in the minor leagues. And when he got to the bigs, it was it was it was happening. It, it was just a matter of time. It was just a natural uh, progression for him to become uh, the machine. But weird, no different, funny, a comedian, a guy that you want in your corner for
0: certain. Uh, why did people hate Chase Utley? <laughs> can you can, can can you name them for me? A lot of the league, the Mets. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Mets. Obviously, we we the know Met. the one thing, but it seemed like people hated playing against him. Did they
1: yeah, not? That, now, I, I, I would say they they hated his intensity because they couldn't match it. Mm. Um, they knew that they had to bring their lunch. There was never going to be a give. There wasn't going to be a pitch or a bat that he was going to give away. It didn't matter the score and. If you're up against that and you, and you and you want a guy just to fold, just, just to give in, give me something, that's the wrong guy. You're not going to get that from him. You're going to earn every single out, um, every single win. And they also knew he was a difference maker. He didn't say much, and maybe that was something that they wanted. They wanted to get to see him, get to know him, say, hey, there are a couple guys that he would talk to. I mean, literally, you can count on one hand uh, guys that he would talk to. But other than that, you know, he's always watching you. He's always accusing you of cheating, uh, picking signs. Um, and he just he just had this demeanor about him that made you think he was crazy. And he might he might have been a little bit crazy. I mean, I, I, I was on the inner circle, you know, that, that circle of trust. Um, but I, I just think it was the fact that there was no give. There was no break. And you wanted to see that the guy was human, and He would never let you see that unless you were His real good friend.
0: Why did Ryan Howard catch the ball with two hands?
1: <laughs> because one didn't always work,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude. I always wondered that. I was like, J. roll must be so pissed that just just reach that glove out there you uh, have to catch like
1: that. Um, yeah, that like his hands were probably about like this. You know, and I don't know if they made a glove big enough for him. So it was like he was literally catching the ball with his fingertips and the web was only about that big. So I think he felt better doing this. And if you ask him, he'd always say my balls were moving, you know, coming to one, they're sinking, they're cutting. And I'm like, I throw one of the, besides J.J. Hardy, probably one of the truest four seamers over to first base. So I'm not sure what's happening with your eyes or what's (laughs) happening, but the ball should not hit your hand. And fall out. And they're, I mean and he, I mean and he worked hard. He worked hard. He worked hard on his catching, worked hard on his throwing. And that's became a pretty good defender. Um there are times I would bounce the ball over there and I'm just like, oh Lord, it's gonna end up bad. And he'd pick it. And I'm like, oh, Brian, I'm giving him props. And he throws it around and the ball's in the left field. It's like, well, we still have work to do. We still have work to do. But hey, we, we start with the catch. The throwing, we'll work that out. But but thank you for saving my life. And uh, we'll have the ball girls go grab that. But that, that, that is a question that we could never figure out. Like, you would hit him right in his chest, just like, whoa. And you were kind of embarrassed because you were embarrassed for him. It's like, this should not be happening. But how do I cure it? I, somehow he worked hard, hard enough to uh, start making one-hand picks, but his normal catch was still definitely, unless it was like the, the long stretch was the two-hand come off the bag almost like he was falling. And, you know, that's what works for him.
0: (laughs) Having a tough time doing a little shopping during the holiday season, you're like, oh, my God, my family, my friends, I don't know what to get them. They've got everything. My brain's about to explode. Guess what? Dugoutmugs.com is the answer for you. They've got a little bit of everything. You know, I've shown you this before. The great engraving with the rose rotation. They got the wind up, you know, everything. And how about this? The one and only metal baseball mug. It keeps things hot. It keeps things cold. You can do little cheers. Go get it. And by the way, if you're talking about buying things for friends, why don't we do the knob shot as well, right? You fire this baby up. You're like, cheers. Let's have a great time. We're going to party it up. You can't do this with just one. So make sure you get two, three, four, or whatever uh, number of people that actually pretend to be your friends will be. And you grab this, throw it down, have a great time, laugh, Love a little, and then you can do this. I love that. Ever since Ploof taught me this thing, I I just do it it nonstop around the house, right? I mean, if that's not reason enough alone to buy a knob shot from Dugout Mugs, I don't know what is. So go out, get yourself this. Go get yourself the metal one. Go get yourself the knob shot. Go get yourself the wind up. I don't care. Oh, by the way, we're trying to help you save money. Dugoutmugs.com. Code word is John Boy. Get 30% Off before they sell out. Cheers. You grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. When did you know that Philly fan was different?
1: It's funny. Like, I don't know how I first heard about you know the reputation of Philly fans or or how old I was. Only thing I knew was in '96, the year I got drafted, they had the all-star game in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm that stadium was trash i mean people might kill me now for saying the vet was trash but it was trash especially coming from the bay not that we had a great stadium an open college sim but different colored seats after turf like what is this like this place is horrible lines all over the field um, you know patches all that stuff throughout um and i was like well well if that's a place i would never want to play and this is before the draft. It, you know, this, this is before the draft. You got 93, Ricky Henderson, my favorite player. We beat the Phillies. I was the happiest man. Not because we beat the Phillies, because Ricky got another ring. That was always about Ricky getting another, another ring. Three years later, I'm getting drafted. And uh, you get into the organization, and you hear about Philly fans being tough. But I'm in A ball. So maybe I was 17 when I really first figured it out. But I'm in A ball. I'm not even – actually, I'm in rookie ball. Why am I worried about Philadelphia fans? And then you show up – I showed up at Martinville, Virginia, and it just passes down. If they're tough up there, you're going to learn immediately when you get to the when, when you get here. So, uh, Wait a second. They are bad in the minor leagues, the fans? Oh are yeah. tough? Oh, yeah. It's, it's it's It was it was like if you can survive here where, you know, there are only, you know, 40 or 50 fans, but you can hear every single thing they say to you and they're mm-hmm. sitting right on the fence. Those minor league fences like high school. They're standing 10 feet from your ear. Then you can make it up there. So they, and it's the same thing. They love to cheer you, but they love to get on you too. And in a monolith, it it becomes more comical. It's like, okay, who's going to get it worse today? So you went to the field saying, I have to have a good game so the fans wouldn't get on me. And so you learn to live with that pressure right away. Um, But I I enjoyed it. I learned to, I learned how to acknowledge it at times. Look, Rosa, you've been around. They're going to say some things sometimes. You're going to have to look like, hey, that was good. And then they'll leave you alone. You know, but when you sit there, you give them a mean face or you pop off back, mm-hmm. I got you. It's kind of like A.J. Brzezinski, I got you. Now I'm being your ear all, all day. And in and, and baseball, you have series. When you turn around, they say something good, and you laugh like, all right, now that was good. They laugh and smile, which, Oh, you all right. And then, then they leave you alone. So I learned that then, although times, sometimes it's harder than others, uh, but I learned right away that if you're not performing, they will let you know and get ready because when you get to the big leagues instead of 500, it's going to be, well, at the vet, it was about like 5,000. But when you got to CBP, you know, you're talking about 40,000 on any given night. So bring your A
0: game. Did, was there anything, and you had a great relationship with the fans, and we saw it when you came back with the Dodgers for the standing O, but was there ever a time where you regretted something you said? No, never. Never.
1: Every, everything I said I meant. And everything I said, I had a reason. Um you know people, you know, have, have, have always asked me about Philly fans. And I tell them, you know, to understand what a Philadelphia fan is, or really any East Coast city, you know, Philly always gets, you know, the rep for being tough. And yes it is, but when you're on the East Coast, that's just how these people are made on, on, on that Eastern Seaboard. They, they're made that way. That's the cloth they're cut from. But when you understand that, I played, what, 14 years in Philadelphia. When I left, that team goes on. When I left, some, when I leave, when you leave, someone's going to fill that position. Someone else is going to be wearing that uniform. So you're borrowing it. They live this their entire life. And you will start to understand that they truly, in their heart of hearts, really believe that they want to win as a fan base more than you do as a player at times. And if you don't match that passion, then they don't want you here. They don't. They, they want you out. They want you gone because you, 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 you're not really with it. You're not with the shits. You're out there just playing around about the money, about the show. You don't really care about this city. You don't have the passion to win as we do as a fan base. When you understand that, that the Phillies' name on the front and Philadelphia, you're representing them, they really need you to represent them. It isn't about you. It isn't always about the 25 guys on the field. It's about this whole city. It's about us. We need you to bring that passion and understand we want you to win so bad because you bring that joy into our life. You bring you know, something that we can't, that dream that we once had and that we failed. We're relying on you to just just to bring back some of that nostalgia, give us something to be hopeful about. And we understand that about the fan base. You can understand the fans. Then it becomes a family. And in families, you know, you're going to say things. That doesn't mean everyone outside can say it. I can say that about my brother. I said about my dad. I said about my cousin. But if you say something about it, you're not an insider. Then we have an issue. And that's what it was. Look, they could get on me. That's fine. I could get on them back. That's fine. I show up the next day. They cheer. I show up the next day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's, and I'm giving love to the crowd. That's what it was like. So um, anything that may have seemed other than that on the outside, I would get it. But it's like the family. Until you're in, in the family know the dynamics, you know, you, you might be confused about a number of things. But when you're on the inside, you can say things. Things are forgiven. And, you know, you meant what you said because that's your truth. And you keep looking, you keep
0: moving. When did you realize that it was – a big thing to be the Philly shortstop? Was there a time when you were walking around town? Was it something like that where you're like, holy shit, this is big. You know what? I would say immediately,
1: in the minor leagues, you know, it, for me, immediately, in, in, this, in, this, in this way, Larry Boa was my first manager. Well, technically, Tito Francona was. Mm-hmm. I got caught up in September. But my first full manager, full-time manager, was Larry Boa, who was the greatest Philly shortstop, you know, coming in. Coming At in, the time. You know, at that time. <laughs> at that time. So he came to see me in Arizona Fall League. And you know, for years I heard about Larry Boy, And obviously you hear about the 1980s because That was really the really only success that the Phillies had and you know, at that level. So I was well aware of who he was, didn't know any of his stats. I just heard about, you know, Larry Boy, Larry Boy, Larry Boy, Larry Boy. Now he's gonna be my manager. And I remember telling him, you know. Uh, that you know, veteran Stadium. You no, know, this 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 is your place, you know. But when they build that place across the street, that's going to be my house. You know, you built this house. This was yours. This is your legacy. 1980 Phillies, boy, you got know, You know, what? 77 or 78, 79, and they won in 80. They had a they had a fight like a five year run, like we did, almost uh, mm-hmm. identical. Um, you built that house, but this but this is this that's going to be my house across the street. And all I ever wanted to do was, you know, once I started looking at his numbers, I'm like, well, I want to hit more home runs than you. Uh, and just to get on the, I was never trying to be better in a sense, but to change the narrative that you're the shortstop that they talked about. When I'm done, I want to be the shortstop that they talk about. And that's all it was. And, and, it, was, and it was healthy competition. I needed something, for somebody to compete against. You know, I compete against the guys, you know, that I'm playing against daily but I, I was competing against always, you know, the, the, the legacy, the legend of Larry Boa. So that, that, that made me push myself even harder because no matter what I did, if I didn't bring a championship there, if we didn't bring a championship there, it didn't matter. You yeah, personally. Yeah. Okay, cool. But he was on a championship team. So when we finally won in 8 I think that's when it started turning over that people can stop talking about the 1980 team and hold on to that championship. Cause now we have something more present. And at that point, I think that's. I mean, maybe it happened prior to that, but for me personally, that's when it's like, all right, I've, I've accomplished what I said I was going to do, and that was when we built that place across the street that we would bring a championship there.
0: Hey, everybody that's watching this or downloading this on Tuesday tonight, I've got your entertainment picked out for you. Seven o'clock Eastern, we have our first live stream Bino tournament. Eight people are going to be uh, doing this thing, including the likes of John Boy and Jake. BBD will be there. Joe's, Jolly, Justin Shackle will be there from toe the slab. So make sure you check it out. Uh, they're going to have the live stream at 7 o'clock Eastern. See who's the best of the best. Uh, Jake has already got kind of the fake Bino belt because he really hasn't put it on the line against the best Bino players in our office. I'm sure that's coming somewhere down the line, but they're going to be handing out the belt somebody's going to be wearing it tonight is it going to be jake is it going to be someone somebody else check it out tonight uh it's on our john boy and jake uh, the youtube channel once again seven o'clock eastern if you're listening to this or consuming it on wednesday or beyond don't worry you can see it won't be the live stream but you can check it out and see who won the bino belt you mentioned earlier that ricky henderson was your guy growing up yeah out there in the bay area Do you remember the first time you met him
1: Yep, I I do. Uh, it was in San Diego, my rookie year, and 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 when I say met him, uh, we had play. I played against him previously. He got the second base. I said hello to him then, but you know it's, it's just so quick because the pitcher's going. And when he got second, I just wanted to stand next to him. I just I kind of want to touch him, you know, just like oh I touch Ricky, <laughs> but it's like it's a game, and you know you got to keep that you know that look. You got to be stoic and professional. And I'm just like, man, this dude, Ricky's really a second base. And it was like me being a kid all over, you know, going to Oakland Coliseum, looking at Ricky Henderson, just trying to get in the way of hello at me. Uh, but it was, it was in San Diego. I an off day. I was struggling to come into that series. And Larry Bo was like, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a day off. And, and I don't know, he knew something. I obviously knew I was Ricky Henderson. And was like, hey, I heard Ricky comes in on a, the, the days that he's playing. He's going to be playing tomorrow. Comes in about 2, 2 2.30, does a little workout. Sit there, he does his curls. And, uh, you know, I thought you'd like to know that. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. Who knows he's not. He might be playing tomorrow. He might not. It's a day game. You know, that Ricky don't play day games. Um, So here I am at the hotel with a day off. And everybody knows me. Stretches at 4.30, I walk in at 4.25, do my little Superman routine, I'm out on the field. So I'm not playing. 130 comes around and just like, Ricky might be in there today. Like, why don't don't you go? Nah, why am I going to the field that early? I don't do that. I don't have this conversation with myself, but I'm putting on my clothes and I get dressed. I walk. I mean, I I get dressed, uh, jump in the cab, just to spill over at a fall common over there, Uh get dressed, jump in the cab, get to the field early. So now i walk in, Larry Boyle looks at me. What the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, I just want to come in and get a little workout. You know, I just, I got, I was bored at the hotel. There's nothing to do. So I might as well just come work out. Hiding my motive. Because inside, I'm like a little kid, like, and, and I kind of feel like an idiot. Like, what if he's not there? Now you were here two hours before a stretch. You, Bo, and the coaching staff, no one else is in the clubhouse on a day you're not playing. Like, what are you going to do for this for the rest of this time? You know, so I get dressed. I'm putting on my um shorts and my shirt. I don't, even, I don't even think I put on socks. just put on my and Just I just wanted to go see if Ricky was in there. So now I'm walking. I'm full of confidence. Like, yeah, you know, I'm about to go meet Ricky. And I asked security, hey, where's the gym? He's like, oh, it's the next door on the right. Sure enough, I get to the door. So now that confidence turns into, oh, shit, what if he's really in there? What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, who is was literally <laughs> like, boo, boo. And so I was like, okay, so now I'm getting ready to grab the door handle. And I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like a little kid all over again. And I'm only 21 at the time. And so you know me you know ricky's been my guy since since i could walk and say the word baseball and so now i'm trying to go to my game plan okay what if he's in here what do you do if he's not in here are you really going to go work out because you just told bo you're going to go work out or what are you going to do so i'm trying to get this all to my head in about three seconds so i'm like all right you know just open the door you're already here open the door crack it head comes around the side. I look in there. There's Ricky looking right back at me. And I shut the door. I'm like, Oh shit. He's in there. He's in there. So now I'm tripping. Like I'm, 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 bugging out. I'm like, man, like he saw you, you got to go now. Like you can't, you hear, you have to go like, you got to go in there. Like just, all right, calm down. So I take a deep breath, walk in, Bye. look at Rick, looking in the mirror, you no know, deep voice. What's up, Rick? He looked at me. I right, what's up little James. I'm like, Oh shit! He knows my name. He knows my name. Okay, he has twenty fives. You can't lift more than Rick. Okay, grab the twenties. Just grab the twenties and be cool. But I want to cry like I was just like a little kid. Like he knows my name. I'm like, how does he know my name? Then all the times that my dad had told me when I was a kid, if you want, if you want to meet Rick, just let me know. You know, we could call Fred. Fred knows who Rick is all the time. Rick and my dad grew up blocked from each other, kicking against each other in high school. Fred Atkins is their mutual best friend. My God. And I thought they were just talking. To, I thought just you know, just puffing smoke. Like, I don't want to bother Rick or Fred. Like, whatever. i meet him when I meet him. Then it all started coming back to me. Like, Ricky knows my dad as James. So he's calling me Little James, which my, my birth name is James. So he's calling me, like, as in a descendant of my father. Like, he really, he knows me. Like, he's not Jimmy or J-Rose. Like, what's up, Little James? Like, I know your dad, and I know you since you were a kid. And I'm tripping. Like, I'm just bugging. I'm hitting these curls and I'm looking at them and I was like, hey Rick, uh, I just got to tell you you know deep voice uh uh you, you're my favorite player growing up you know you're my childhood hero and he just he just laughed at me I'm like, oh man you make me feel old And I was like I, I just had to say it finished the set walked out was like God I see you out there and he leaves. So I'm just sitting on a bench with 20 with 20 pound dumbbells in my arm' just like he knows my name. And I'm looking at the door like, please don't come back in there. I'm start crying. You know what I'm saying? And he walks out. And now, now my brain is again, okay, do I leave now? Because what if he's just right there talking to somebody? then he's going, to no, know I just came in there just to see him and say hello. So just chill, just wait five minutes, maybe do a couple more curls, and just chill. You know, it just happened fast. And so sure, it's like the, the exact opposite. I open up the door, Pete, Riggy's not out there. And now I'm walking, I'm now out all the way back to the clubhouse. And I walk in. And who was the first person there? Larry Boa. So was he in there? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he knew my name. And I sat at my locker for about two hours. Just, I just watched everybody come in. I'm still dressed in shorts and a tee. Well, I watched everybody come in, and I just had this look on my face like I just met Jesus. And it was, you know, my, my best baseball story ever. And I, I'll never forget it, and I'll never get tired of telling it.
0: That's amazing. That is a it's the best one I've heard. It's the best <laughs> one I've heard. Um, does he still call you Little James? Uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a couple of years,
1: um, but when I do, you know, he he calls me Little James all the time. And, it's, uh, and, and he's the only person that can call me James. It's like, James, no, that's my dad. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's my dad. Um, but every time I see him, it's Little James. And I think the last time I saw him uh, was at the Oakland College Sim I've just, just been a few years now because I haven't been to many games. At the open College Center when we played, uh, um, we played there in 14 or 15? No, 16. 16 with the White Sox. He came out to that game. Sure enough, my dad, Ricky, Fred, everybody hanging out after the game, said hello. And, then, you know, it gets crazy with Ricky. Everybody wants to be a Ricky fan. Jim was just like, you cool, Jim, but that's Rick. And I was like, all right, Rick, I'll see you later, man. Go <laughs> do your thing. Get up out of here. So now, now it's like it's almost like I, I feel like I'm cool enough to be like, all right, we good, Rick. Like, you good, bro. We're in the past, I'm like, no, please just stay around a little longer.
0: That <laughs> way. Well, of course, he is, uh, he is in Cooperstown. Yes. First time ever you have a chance to be there. You are on yes. the ballot, And we'll find out within uh, the next five weeks or so. Are you nervous?
1: Um no i'm not nervous um and 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 it's funny right because it's so far out it's something that you know when when i was playing i was asked about and it's like yeah who doesn't want to be a hall of famer essentially like i don't play this game to not be compared to the best and kind of like i was saying i was competing against the legend of larry bowie all that time uh you know guys that have come before me in this game Audie smith cal ripken or two that i really watched growing up mike Bordick being a local guy guys that i thought were great although mike is in the hall of famer guys i thought were great like those are guys I'm, I'm competing against whether you know we're on the field together or not doesn't matter i'm competing against the legend of those i have to live up to that legacy and then in, being in the bay area ricky joe are guys that you know are are big time hall of famers guys that for me felt tangible, you know, pop stars, although it was much before me, uh, I went to Anderson high school um, where he went, name will started to feel I've been in this forever. It felt like, so yeah, I, I've always said that I want to be a Hall of Famer when I'm done. I'm competing against those guys. I want to be in those talks. Now, will it happen? I don't know um, when I played, I didn't think about it, but if you ask me, then yeah, I mean, what else am I playing this game? When it championship one, but to be compared with the greats when I'm done. So, um, other than that, I've never thought about it. Even now, uh, when people ask, "Hey, are you on? You know, when are you coming on?" The answer like, I, I have no idea." And, I, and, and like, how long have I been out the game? And I would, have, I would have to count the years. I'm like, "Sure, I don't know." So maybe about another year or two. And with that being said, because there's isn't something that I've, I have so much going on outside of life, I think that has helped that I haven't had to think about it. And even coming on this year. I want to say it was either Tony Gwynn, Anthony Gwynn, as he calls himself, Tony Jr., or Don or Someone else Like sent me a DM and was like, congratulations. I'm just like, about what? I'm, and I missed something, so I'm Googling stuff like, what happened? And it's like, man, you're on a ballot. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, that's dope. And it's, it's really more like, that's dope, because I can't control that anymore. I, I've done what I've done on the field, and I'll either get voted in or I won't. And, 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 and that's that. It would be nice to be voted in. I think as the day becomes um, right in my face that, hey, it's happening tomorrow, they're going to announce it. Maybe at that point I'll feel some type of way, but it's still far enough away that I'm not worried about it. And actually, Ed Wade, um, who was a GM when I first got there and the guy that drafted me, he actually sent me a text yesterday. And it's like, not that I try to get away from it, because I don't. I'm not running from anything obviously, but it's like all these reminders, like, Hey, you know, it's coming up this year and et cetera. And people, you know, some people feel I should be in, obviously some won't. I was like, you know, that, that's pretty cool to have people to know that people are on your side. And I've always said, just be part of that, of that, of that talk. And Larry Boa, who I think probably had the biggest role in that years ago, years ago uh, told me that, Hey, not getting in the Hall of Fame does not mean you did not have one hell of a career. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, it was like, not, and and i say that because it matters, but it's like, don't focus on it mattering because you had one hell of a career, whether you get in or not. What you did at this position, what you did in this city, the impact you had on the game and your teams was real.
0: That's a a real healthy way to look at it. Uh, I have to admit that if I were up for, for something like that and there there was you know i don't know if you know this but you're on social media some people turn in their ballot and there's a guy that collects them and posts you know the the voting as a goes he doesn't get all the ballots but he gets a right. decent number and he'll say hey with 50 percent of the ballots reported to me this is what it would look like. i'd be checking and seeing hey, <laughs> for, for jimmy rollins or not you, you're I, not gonna I, be doing that i didn't even know that existed so now okay sorry yeah no no it's all good um, my bad
1: because no no that that is awesome because the people that do know they'll probably you know tweet me and reach out and let me know anyway so that that part is cool like like don't get me wrong it's, it's a cool process and i've always been on the other side like i wonder how you know these guys feel when the cameras come in their house and this is their first year maybe they don't get it then the cameras show up the next year and they finally get in like how does that work or the camera is there as a sign of hey we know something you don't you know, like being on outside, you know, looking in, you wanted those things. But when you're going through it, it's different. And, and I'll use that as, as a game winner. When, you, when, you're on, when you're on the bench and you're not the guy at the plate, it's like, you know, you feel this energy and this excitement, but also this nervousness because it could go wrong. But when you're the guy in the box, I just have a job to do. Mm-hmm. And you focus on that. So all, all, everything else doesn't really matter. It's like the same thing. It's like I'm in the box right now. Like, you know, the, the fans, and, you know, they're, they're hopeful and they're, they're hoping and they're praying and, you know, want something great to happen. But I'm the guy in the box.
0: I do want to ask you this, though. Yep. There are several guys on the ballot who have been suspended because of PEDs. hmm Does it bother you that those guys might take votes away from you? Because you, voters can only vote for 10 guys on the right. ballot. They can't vote for as many as they want. Mm-hmm. Does it bother you that there are guys that are known cheaters that might steal some of your votes? It
1: doesn't bother me. And I'll say that if a guy's known cheater and someone wants to vote for him, that's their right. That's their prerogative. Um, Hopefully my numbers, my career, my comparisons, however they do it outweighs that. And if it doesn't, then so be it. Um, Guys that have been suspended and served their time, they have a right to be on the ballot too because they played the game. Um, did they break a rule, did they break a bylaw, then they get punished for it. So their punishment is on being on the ballot and not getting a vote. If someone votes for him because they felt before that issue, you, you never know when a guy, you know, started or ended. But if they feel before that issue that this guy was already Hall of Famer, then give that man his roses. It isn't it isn't a hall of, you know, who's who's good. Um, it was what did you do on the field? The impact you made? And how do you stand up against the greats? And and I'm okay with that. They are, they talk about putting an asterisk, um, you know, by certain people to represent that time of the game. History's always done that. History has done both. It's, it's trying to clean up things and make them look better. And the other side is calling it for what it is. And where do you lie on that side of it is, is your personal choice. So there are guys that, um, that, on their last, on our last straw that I felt were great. Some of the best players I've played against. Um, the advantage is it didn't make them a better ball player per se, but you get down to August, September, and you're running on 60 for 75% and they're still running at 85, 90. And yeah, they, they have that advantage. So when we talk about, you know, what it does, it's, you don't get tired when everybody else is breaking down, you're keep, you, you keep pushing through and that's a clear advantage, but who's to say, when they started, when they stopped. And if somebody wants to vote for them, a voter wants to vote for them, it's their prerogative. I just hope that my numbers and what I did and what I represent and how I played the game um, outweighs um, outweighs that and they, they send that vote my way.
0: Uh, I do not have a vote. I'm not a baseball writer. Um, I've been you around know, the game. For- I'm not. <laughs> I'm just a dorky whatever I am. Uh, but I've been around the game and here's how I look at it. I thought baseball and individual players were both in the wrong uh, because they didn't care enough about it at negotiation time to clean it up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would have always voted for Bonds. I would have always voted for Clemens. Agreed. I would draw the line at A-Rod and Manny Ramirez because there was now an implementation of a program put in place by the league. Finally, somebody cared enough. And if you then abused it, and same with Rafael Palmeiro, do you, is that where you would draw the line as well?
1: Uh, I I, 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 agree, I agree with everything you said um, because of that, because at that point you knew, um, you know, what was outside the lines and you continued to do it. Uh, but, you know, those, some of those guys, um, you know, prior to that, like I said, we don't know when they started. We can't really actually say, all we can say is from this point on, we know that you cheated, you know, mm-hmm. this year, this time, you know, at this point on, we know you cheated. And then you look at the numbers before that point, like, were they a Hall of Famer? And if so, I think you can still grade them on that. If they're run, I know they have like a five-year stretch, a 10-year stretch. If if at any point they crossed over into that gray area, that becomes a more difficult conversation because there was, you know, a a rule or a bylaw that said you can't do this because of that. So, agreed. You know, there weren't stipulations or rules prior to that. So, who knows who was and who wasn't?
0: But at that point, once they started testing...
1: Now you're really going above and beyond to uh, you know, to cheat.
0: I wish you luck, however it does turn out. I've got one or two more things, and I really am uh, so appreciative of your time, and I know people uh, no, really, no really enjoy no the conversation. Uh, it's been a while. We need this. I know. I did not know this until I looked it up, that you are Tony Tarasco's cousin.
1: <laughs> so here's a funny story. People, So my cousin, Marcel Johnson, uh, played ball with Tony in a minor league. This is how it all started. Um, So, yes, we're not cousins by blood, but we're cousins through my cousin. So when Tony was playing with the Braves, this is 1995. He was with the Braves 96. So 95, 96 is before I got drafted. Uh, We would go see Tony when he came into town to play against the Giants. And so after the games, he would always bring me down, introduce me to uh, Cox. It was like, hey, this is my little – this is my younger cousin, Jimmy. He's playing – And, you know, he's looking to get drafted. He's really good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So everywhere we went, if he introduced me to another major leaguer or a coach, it was, this is my cousin. So then it became Jimmy's cousin. And I'm like, well, shoot, it can't hurt me. He's in the big leagues. I know they love that lineage. You know, you have a a big leaguer in the Uh family. So let's just keep pushing it down. So for years, it was like, yeah, that's my cousin. That's my cousin. And then years after that, I've tried, well, he's not really my cousin. But he's cousins, he's he's real good friends with my cousin. So we just kind of let that go on. And no matter what I said, no one listened. It was like, well, he's your cousin. All right, well, fine, he's my cousin. Like it's it's cool, it works, you know. And um, it's 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 been something that's been going on for years. And it wasn't until, and, I, and I've seen Tony for years, like personally, uh, but he came back, uh, he's with the Mets. Was he with the Mets or the Nationals?
0: I think, yeah, it was one of those, I think.
1: One of them. Um why am I drawing a blank? I want to say it's the Nationals. I want to say it's the Nationals. He's with the Nationals, first base coach. And this year, when he came into town, I ran back into him. I, I had his number for years, but he would switch it, and so you know we kind of lost track with each other. I was in the booth, and I'm looking up. I'm looking down. He's looking up, and I tell B Snyder, who I was texting, like, "Hey, give Tony my number." We go out to dinner um, after the game, and we just reconnected and had a real, real, real good talk, man-to-man talking. It was just. It, it was just awesome to see from who he was then transition to who he is now. Completely different person. I was almost kind of like, you know, how do I approach this new guy? This is not, you know, as he's called himself, Baby Jack. It's not Baby Jack. This is this is Anthony Tarasco. <laughs> this isn't Baby Jack Tony. This is Anthony Tarasco. And I'm like, man, this is this is nice to see that, you know, he's, he's, he's changed and, and done so much with his life and to have him back in the game. Yeah, it's nice. You know, that was a blessing. He thought he was done and was never going to be allowed back in the game, but he's back in the game. And now he's, you know, inspirational and really someone that the players can go and talk to and discuss life, their issues with, and he gives them guidance. That's his role as first base coach, but also as a mentor um, on that team. So
0: just to see him go from what he was to this is like, wow. That's really nice. That's nice that you guys were able to reconnect. But you bring up his name, and people only think of one thing. Yeah. That's the Jeter home run in the 98 playoffs.
1: Was that really a home run? I don't
0: know. What did he tell you? He was right under it. Um, you know what?
1: He said – "Which not, we see the video. It was like, if you jumped, maybe you could have got the interference call. But it was in New York, and it was Derek Jeter. Um, but he said the ball was coming down in his glove. And I still look at him like – I had it hitting off the top of the wall, but it's cool. You know, It, it it's always going to be a home run because it was called that. It's going to be one of those plays that you can watch over and over. And clearly the glove was, you know, a good half arm over the wall, but I don't think it was in a glove. I think it was hitting off the top of the wall. Probably would have been a double or a triple, but history has it to walk off home run. And, you know, we have missing November.
0: Yes, we do. All right. Um, Last thing I want to get to before we play our game. Dude, you got to meet Obama?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times. A couple of times. And that was, uh, I, I would say, I would have to say it's probably courtesy of the Bidens, uh, Dr. Jill Biden, who was yes. a big fan of mine. Yes. yes. Big, big fan of mine um, from the 2008 World Series. She was sitting on the side and she was chilling. And I was like, hey, you know, on the first base side, too. And we're on the third base. So I'm like, hey, go, you know, get, 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 uh, get Jill Biden a jacket. And I'm like, all right, call i like, no, no, get her my jacket. Don't just get her anyone's jacket. I see what's happening. Get her my jacket. And ever since then, uh, she had become a fan of mine, I had my bobblehead on a nightstand. And, and Joe was like, you know, I was the only man that he would let sleep next to his wife in his bedroom. So it was, it was a little running. It's, it's been a running joke for years. Um, and then, um, obviously during the 08, we get to go to the White House. Everyone formally gets to meet the uh, president that way. And then we were invited to the uh, Motown. It was uh, I think, Barry Gordy that did it at the White House. So yeah. found out, grabbed the jet, flew out in the storm. Plane felt like it was going down, but we made it through. Got to the White yeah. House, uh, hang out with, with the uh, Obamas. And um, that whole Motown crew got to meet Stephen Wonder, take a picture. So, yeah, uh, I, I was blessed. I was pretty blessed. Got to be like one of the top three moments ever. No doubt. No doubt. It was – it was. It, it, you sitting there and it's like, I'm really at the White House. Like, this is crazy. I, I did a White House dinner with uh, Bush. He had us over. Um, baseball players, everybody know the Bush family. Huge yeah. baseball fans. Had us over for a dinner, one of the state rooms. And that was cool. You know, that was uh, uh, George Wills, I believe it is. Um, that uh, lined that up. A number of, number of us showed up there. And, and that was cool because I was like, whoa, like this is outside of, hey, the White House visit, we're sitting here with the president and first lady having a dinner in the stateroom. And that was cool because it was formal. But this is something completely informal. Motown presents, you know, artists and the Obamas and the Bidens and just just Motown royalty. And it's like, yeah, you're in this, you're in this inner circle because you know that that's not going to happen again.
0: So, by the way, you could just pick up the phone and be like, I'm going to call the president like you could I've I've
1: tried I haven't got a response back yet I've 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 reached out to congratulate them but you know what running the country is a pretty tough job so I'm not offended
0: okay yeah that's all right that's all right uh here on the rose rotation we um we spin the wheel of moderately interesting things and so they're very easy questions I'm not very smart all right (laughs) I will answer it. We'll get you back to your uh back to the first tee. Wild ride. Ooh, good one. What was the first car you ever had? Ooh, first car I ever had that I owned, like that it was my car. Whichever direction, whatever makes the best story. All right. I will
1: right, well, the car that I learned to drive in was a 19 is 1987 Firebird. Red Firebird. Really? red Bucket seats. Yeah, if you had, what was the, uh, I don't know, it was a drive shaft alternator, whatever's in the middle that would get hot after about 30 minutes. So you couldn't <laughs> touch it. <laughs> you couldn't touch it. But on a cold night, it felt good because you just put your hand on there. It, it's like, oh, we don't need the heater on in the back seat. So yeah, you had the Firebird with two, with, with the bucket seats in the front, the bucket seats in the back, and whatever that big hump in the middle is, you knew after about 30 minutes, don't touch it because that thing is on fire. <laughs> So that was the first car I learned to drive in. And then the first car I ever purchased, that was when I got drafted, was a Mitsubishi Diamante, green. I put 20-inch rims on it, sound system, alarms. And everybody in a town, in Oakland, everybody in a town, it went from a Mitsubishi Diamante to Jimmy has a green Jaguar. I don't know how <laughs> it happened. And it was like the, it was like the Tarasco store. I just let it go. It was like, hey, you see Jimmy and a green Jag? And and I would hear, like, I don't have a Jag. It's a Mitsubishi, Diamante, on top of everything else, a Jag. So between those two, it it was some pretty good stories.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Um, This hour flew by, man. I I really appreciate it. And it was great to reconnect a little bit. Uh, Tell Pesci and Garcia and maybe MJ say, hey.
1: Uh, For sure. For sure.
0: Go win some dough don't don't cross pesci we've learned that you already know that you don't want to yeah. scrub your face with the ground you know you want don't want to do that <laughs> no. if you reconnect with the bidens or the obamas tell them we say hello i definitely will and i know you're not checking in the ballots every day but i wish you the best of luck and uh i hope there's some people that uh, put the big x next to jimmy rollins the positive column okay
1: i appreciate that too chris thank you brother
0: A special shout out to our producer, editor extraordinaire, the one and only Robbie Shirocco, And thanks very much to you for consuming the product here on John Boy Media. We'll see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation.